All right, I left you, we left you last on the first Sunday of the year in Acts 27. I left you hanging. I planned on being, I didn't know Kim's uncle died, uh, Uncle Bob, and he was a kind man and, and good to her. And so we, uh, we try to go and honor people as best, uh, best as we can. Uh, and her family is uh, much larger than my family as far as those older than me. And so uh, we had, had a crowd. And what a great guy. Uh, he was good to my bride uh, when she was younger. Uh, and so we honored him, and, and, and we had some time with her folks. So thank you for your prayers. And we had another experience I'm going to talk to you about in a minute. But uh, when we left, we were in Acts 27. The apostle Paul had had a, a, a word from God to go to Rome. And so he's in this process. He couldn't get on a plane. Uh, he had to go by boat, and uh, he's in the middle of this horrible storm. And, and we gave out compasses first of the year. If you were here, you got one. We were just talking about, you know, when you're in the middle of storms and hardships, it's important to know which way is north, which way is the way God wants me to go. And, and Paul's in this boat, and there's 276 people on this boat. And uh, he's not a sailor. He's a prisoner. He's on there. He's held captive to be taken to Rome to go on trial for his faith, and uh, so he's in the middle. So I want to come back to this storm. And I want to talk to you this morning, as Pastor Kim read, about building our lives on something that's unshakable, uh, which is the rock, which is the kingdom of God, God's kingdom. Anything else is sand. You don't know that till the storm comes, right? You don't know if your house was built high enough or strong enough until the storm comes. If the storm does anything. It'll expose what we built on. And there's a lot of places that aren't in existence right now. We drive every day down a strip of land where there were restaurants we used to eat in and homes that were intriguing and, and shops that were there. And they're gone. It's interesting. There's a for sale sign. Did you, did you guys notice that on your way? The, some of you are Pine Islanders. There's a for sale sign. There's nothing there but water. They're selling the water. They must be able to, you own the, I guess you probably own the whatever, and they could put pilings in and build some, but the place is gone. I mean, it's not even pilings there. It's just water. And, and so, you know, it's sad. I don't, I'm not making light out. I'm just saying storms will test, and what, do you, what have you built on? You might have a real pretty home, but it may not be built on a good foundation. You might have a, a successful-looking life, but when storms will test you with Paul, you know, he's in this context, and I want to bring you back into this storm. They've been days in the dark. Look in Acts 27 and verse uh, uh, 20. They've just thrown overboard all the ship's tackle. That's like saying, hey, we can't steer this baby anymore, so why keep this stuff? It's heavy. They've thrown overboard all the supplies they were hauling, all the food. They're lightning in the ship. They're desperate. They're, they're in survival mode. Verse 20, neither the sun or the stars appeared for many days. The storm has continued to rage. We had 14 hours, and that's 14 I'll never want to go back through in my life of Ian. 14 hours. This is days of darkness and storm raging out of control. There's, and those are the moments you realize how vulnerable as a human being that we are. We like to think we're big, bad, strong, and invincible, but storms will prove otherwise. And in this case, the storm continued raging. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. Now, that's not in a Christian sense of salvation going to heaven. That's in a rescued sense that we're going to make it. They all basically they had come to grips with this. We're, we're, we have nothing else to believe. We, no hope. Uh, they had lost. And you, 
You may never have been there in your life, but, but if you've ever been there, it's a, it's a dark place to be. That's where people make horrible decisions and choices in the middle of hopelessness. And, and, and the enemy lives in the land of hopelessness. He thrives on painting the picture worse. I mean, we experienced that in the storm where people were telling us that Sanibel was gone and the, and the lighthouse was gone and, and, and that, that our bridge is wiped out and that it'll be months and months before we'll ever be able to get back to our home and, and it's, they're going to give up on the island and blah, 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 blah. Uh, people just, just fear just grew and it became there. At one point, we're told there were thousands of people that were dead, thousands. Now, we don't see the news. We don't have TV like you. And during that, there's no, I have nothing to base that on. It's just hearsay. It's just fear spreading like a, like a plague. And so Paul's in the middle of this, but Paul has faith. He has a compass. And he stands up, and verse 21, after the men had, had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice. Now, I'm not saying Paul's humble here. I'm not saying this is the way he should have handled it. I know as a pastor, I've handled it both ways. I've been, there's been times I've looked at people and said, you should have listened to me. And then there's times that I wanted to say, you should have listened to me. I don't know which one's better. I honestly don't. It feels better to say, you should have listened to me. Now, as a parent, I don't know that I ever held back saying, you should have listened to me. I always said, you should have listened to me. So, grandchildren, listen to your parents. They didn't listen to me, so you might as well listen to them to be a counter-reaction to their life. So Paul says, you didn't listen to me. You're in the mess you're in because you didn't listen to me. I know I'm a prisoner. I'm not a captain, and I'm not an expert. But I know the God that's in control. Verse 22, he says, but now I want to urge you, keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Now, if you'd have put a period there, I'd have been good, comforted. He says, not one of you will be lost, but the ship's going to get destroyed. Like, hmm. Can you imagine being on an airplane? Someone says, God spoke to me. We're going to crash. We're all going to live, but we're going to crash. That all we're going to live part, I don't know that I could grasp that. I just heard, I did actually got on a flight. I was actually flying to Israel as a seminary student. I was like 20 or 19 years old. I'm sitting beside a classmate in seminary. He goes, he looks at, I've never flown overseas, never. I don't even know if I'd been on a plane before. He leans over to me and goes, man, I had a dream last night. We crashed on this flight. I, I lived in terror the whole flight, terror, because I knew God could speak through dreams. So can the devil, and so can pizza. So you got to discern, discern which one was it. Well, it wasn't God, and I let him know that afterwards. After you know, I wanted to just take him out back with a two-by-four and say, dude, don't ever do that. And then I just got to tell you this because you'll appreciate it. So he's got that in my mind, and we took off somewhere, somewhere in New York, I think, and it's nighttime, and I'm looking out the window, and I can see the lights, and it's unbelievable, and all of a sudden they, they're gone. I didn't know a cloud could actually block the lights. I never knew that. I'd never flown. I was like, blacked out. I was like, oh, my God, we're going down. This is it. This is the end. Well, it wasn't, and I'm still alive. But anyway, so Paul says, you're the good news, you're going to make it. The bad news is, it's going to be really, really difficult. You know, my wife and I have some dear friends that we've been battling in prayer with them. Um, they are just some of the greatest people on the earth, and 
they live in Sevierville, right out of Gatlinburg. And uh, they, they actually have an a, a RV park. And they have a church service there every week. And Kent and Teresa love day. Um, but uh, Teresa's been waiting on a liver transplant. Uh, she's had a tumor on her liver, and it's inoperable. And so they went through all, of, and it's a massive undertaking to get approved to be on the waiting list of a liver that would be a match. And so they've been in this, and she's been on chemo, and they're younger than we are. And she's been on chemo. She's lost over 100 pounds on chemo and finally decided she just could nonstop vomiting and diarrhea. And, and here's her husband. He, he's no nurse. But I'm going to tell you, he was better than any nurse. He's been caring for his wife. And, and you know, it just, I, I was so humbled by this, just the care. Uh, we were up about six hours from them. And uh, uh, so I, I knew from God I, I had to go. So I drove up <clears throat> to see him in the hospital because they got a call. They've been waiting. She gave up on chemo because she wanted to get through the holidays without puking and, and see her grandkids. They, the, the oncologist, the cancer doctor, had given her three. They asked, what do I have without if I don't keep on the chemo? She said, you had three to six months to live. And if you don't do chemo, the tumor could grow back. And then if you get a liver match, and if the tumor's grown back, they won't let you get the liver. But they prayed, and they gave it to God, and they listened to him. And he said, uh, uh, she, so she lost over 100 pounds. Um, and they get a call that there's liver available. They, they've had their bags packed for three months since they told them, you're a candidate, you're on the list. Well, what they don't know is the backstory to where the liver comes from is a, 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 a friend of the family uh, the, the mother uh, of a 16-year-old daughter who went to youth group and was driving home and hydroplaned and crashed and uh, 16 on her way home from youth group. Uh, and she was on life support for three weeks. The, our friends knew that and had just been praying for them while they're in their own crisis. It's funny how hurting people tend to be way more sensitive to other hurting people. And uh, they didn't know that when little 16-year-old Ombre, she got her driver's license with her mom and she's filling out the paperwork. And she said, Mom, what's this little box here that says organ donor? And the mom says, well, she explained it to her and and, and she said, well, Mom, did you do that? And she said, yes, I did, honey, but that's your decision to make, and I can't make that for you. You have to make that decision. She said, well, if I do that, will it help people? She said, you'll save lives. She checked it. So three weeks on life support, as her mother laid beside her when they disconnected her, she took her phone and she texted our friends saying, if it's a match, I'm going to designate Ombre's liver to Teresa. Happened to be the perfect blood type. And Teresa is now Ombre's body size after losing 100 pounds. You have to be the same. It has to, there's so many factors. So they had to operate on our friend. 
and see if the, kid, the liver would be a match. So it's surgery, then they sewed her up and then called for the plane to bring Aubrey's liver. Then they re-operated, put in the liver, and then three days later, this happened right before the first of the year, then just less than a week later, they had to operate again because the artery was blocked. And she's been in critical care on life support uh, since then, and we were able to go up and, and uh, minister to her and her, her family. But I, I, I'm not trying to, I just, it, it, it's haunting, it's life. But I, I think about the, the, this scripture here where it says, Paul says, you know, it, it grabbed me because Kent, the, the husband of Teresa, the doctor looked at him and said, I'm going to get her out of here, but it's not going to be without a lot of pain and suffering, which they're in right now, critical, on breathing. Uh, but, but I thought about the, the, the pain on both homes, you know, Aubrey's home. They have a phrase now. It's called Aubrey Strong, hashtag. This is a picture of Aubrey uh, I don't think it's A-M, but Ambria, maybe it's Ambria. I thought it was A-U-B-R-I. I don't think there's an A. It's A-M-B-R-I-A, all right. So that's Aubrey. I mean, what a future in front of her. Parents love Jesus. She loved Jesus. You would think faith would have exempted that from happening. And... Uh, but she's saved at least eight lives right now so far with her organs. And her family are hanging on to that. So I, we're praying for that family. We don't know them. But we know the one where her liver went. And the doctor looked at Teresa, our friend, said, you've got a 16-year-old liver in you. You need to be strong as she was strong. You've got to fight. And so Teresa's fighting for her life. And they're fighting. And they're 24 hours a day in that room taking shifts. And the guy beside them had a liver transplant. They do 1,000 livers a year at Lexington, Kentucky Hospital, 1,000 transplants a year. The guy next to him has been two months and has never had anybody visit him. They have round the clock, and they have more people coming just praying, pastors, leaders, friends. Right? Just, just, it's just like, a, like people coming and just God bringing the resources to Teresa and, and I just, I was haunted by that man next door that, you know, he, he, he never thought relationships were important. He didn't think church was important. He obviously didn't think small group was important. He didn't connect to people. There, there's a disconnect in his life. He's isolated. And there's nothing more unhealthy than to be disconnected. Uh, he, he, I'm sure it's affecting his healing because nobody's coming in and cheering him up. No one's standing up like Paul. And the millers were like, Kent, Teresa's husband, he cheered me up. I went there to minister to him. He encouraged me. I came home, drove home in this horrible mountain drive, and I drove home just thinking, God, I want to be a better husband. I watched how he loved her. She's got nothing to give him, nothing. Her blood is seeping through all of her skin because the, there's, a, there's some kind of, some of you medical would know, there's something that the liver produces that, keeps the blood from, but it's just oozing. It's just, she's, she's in critical care. And I told him, I got his permission to tell the story. He does it on Facebook, but 
I just want, I want you to join us in praying. And for Ambry, Aub, uh, I, I, forgive me for if I'm saying her name wrong, but, but for her family's sake, they want her to live, uh, that her daughter's liver will continue on. And it's, it's, a, it's a sacred thing. It's what Jesus did for us. So Paul has this faith in the middle of things. He stands up and tells these guys to have some courage. We're going to get through this. Ship's going to wreck, though. What does that do with your faith in the boat? What it ought to do. I want to. I want to. I want you to go to the end of the chapter here. They continues to get worse. They throw everything. They throw the lifeboat. When you throw the lifeboat overboard, you know you're all in on that ship, and you know that you're in deep water, deep whatever. They threw the lifeboats. They threw the anchors over. They had to lighten the ship. When you're in crisis, it's one of the things storms do, don't it? Reorients you. What's really important? We want to survive here. We want to, we, what about, they threw the grain over, all their price, you know, money-making stuff. They're all in. Because Paul told them, you're not going to make it if you don't stay on the boat. Because they were getting in the lifeboats. The guards were. They're going to leave them. He said, you can leave, but you'll die if you leave this boat. God said, the boat's going to make it, but it's going to crash. Now, I want you to pick up on the scene, verse 40, uh, 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 41. It says, but the ship struck a sandbar, ran aground, the bow stuck fast, would not move, and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. Now, you got to understand, there's so many things going on here. They've cut loose for days and just let the wind drive them. There's nobody steering this boat but, the, but God. Now, I'm not saying God sent the storm, because I'm a believer. When we start our series next week in the book of Job, you're going to learn that a lot of storms are from hell. I'm not so certain Ian wasn't from hell. There's a lot of storms that people think, oh, God said, no. You'll learn. You'll see, even when Jesus was in the boat, there was a storm from hell, and he rebuked it, and it got, it got still. Well, anyway, this boat crashes on this island. We'll come back to it. It's random. This little little bitty Malta underneath Sicily, the little football that the boot of Italy's kicking. Okay, that's how I remember it. So you got Italy, Sicily, and then there's this little speck of randomness in the middle of nowhere that they crash. I just, I just want to see, I'm not saying that Luke who wrote this intended it this way, but it, it, it's just so powerful. There's you know, the New Testament was written in the Greek language. Well, the word that he uses here, when it says that the, the boat was stuck fast and would not move, is the word unshakable. You couldn't move it. Now, there's a good not moving, and there's a bad. In this case, it's bad. The boat can't move, so the, 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 the water beats the pudding out of it, just pounds it. Think about the scripture we read and the beginning of, of service, the, the winds came, the, the rains blew down, the, the streams rose, and it pounded on the houses, both houses. Good houses full of good people pounded. Daughter killed 16. Good people. Undeserved. She wasn't doing anything wrong. A God-fearing, Jesus-loving mama, grandma, servant of Jesus, minister to many. Liver gets a tumor. You know, the, the winds and the storms are pounding. Now, this boat, it says when it got pounded, it broke 
to pieces. They couldn't handle it. Their faith better not have been in that boat. God used that boat. But I want, to, I want you to, if you're following along in a Bible or electronic device or just watch on the screen, I want you to see in the book of Hebrews, that word is only used twice in the Bible. Once in Acts, what we just read, the, the, where the boat was unmovable, unshakable. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, some of you have already, probably already thought about this. This is the only other place that word's used. Total different context. But look, look at this. Look at the, it's like an opposite. Here's a boat that didn't move that got crushed. Here's a kingdom that can't be shaken that'll never be crushed. Look, he's, in the context, he's talking about the Old Testament. When the law was given by Moses, it shook and, and the lightning flashed. And it was a traumatic experience when the voice of God spoke in the Old Testament. Now he's speaking about in the New Testament, Jesus has come. God's got a, a new message, a message of hope, good news, gospel, but it's serious news. It's news you got to pay attention to. It's not a, 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 a light thing. And, and so we'll pick it up in verse uh, uh, 25 of, of Hebrews 12. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns from heaven? Go back to the scripture we read to start the service. Jesus said, if you hear my words, a wise person, and you do them, you're going to build your house on the rock. That's the kingdom, unshakable. But if you hear my words and reject them, you're going to go through things in life that are going to devastate you, and you're not going to be able to sing that song, I will not be shaken, I will not be moved, because you're going to be crushed without remedy. That's where there's no hope. There's no hope outside the good news of Jesus. There's no other ship to get on that ain't going to sink. And he says this, verse 26, at that time his voice shook the earth, but now he's promised once more, I will shake not only the earth but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our gods are consuming fire. The word where it says the kingdom cannot be shaken is the same Greek word for the boat that was stuck and couldn't be moved. In that context, the boat couldn't handle the pounding. It couldn't move. In this context, the kingdom cannot be shaken. It cannot be moved. So whatever happens, you can never shake the throne of God. You can never shake the confidence of the kingdom. Now, we, on the other hand, when we sing that song, I shall not be shaken, I shall not be moved, that doesn't mean you're without feeling. That doesn't mean you're superhuman. That doesn't mean you're not going to fall on your face. That doesn't mean you aren't like my friend Kent. He looked at me and he said, Jamie, I, I don't know if I can sustain this. I don't know if I can, because they're telling us now it might be another month in intensive care and at best. And, and then he said this, but I know God's given me grace, strength. That he's shaken, but he's not shaken off his faith. He's shaken from relying on himself, but he's not shaken from relying on the kingdom. See, when storms come in life, they'll shake you to the bone. You'll determine what did you trust in 
What do you depend on? When storms come and ships crash, some things that were meant to be good things but never to be trusted in, it wasn't that the boat was their safety. Their safety was listening to Jesus through Paul. Their safety was stay on the boat, stay on the boat, boat crash, get off the boat, get off the boat. And they swam to shore and not one of them was lost. Now, I would think of something. I wanted to show this clip. I'll probably do it during the Job series. I showed it years ago, and it was so horribly, like, grainy that it's better to tell it. And I don't know what movie it was, and it could be a bad movie. I didn't see the movie, but I love the clip. And some of you are too young to know who Burt Reynolds was, but anyway. And I'm not going to recommend go watch Deliverance to find out. But anyway, <laughs> you'll hear banjo music, and it's not good. Anyway, paddle faster. That's what they say up in Georgia. Anyway, Bert flips over in this boat, and he can't swim. And he says, as a, obviously a man that's not a praying person, God, if you're out there, if you save me, I'm going to give you 80% of everything I own. Flailing in the water, and he gets a little closer to land, and then he, he says, God, that's a lot. 80, but I, listen, maybe I said that too quick. 40%. I'm going to go 40%. Now he's within sight of land. He says, God, most Christians don't even give 10%. I'll give you 10% if you get me to that land. He finally falls on the shore. He rolls over on his back. Water's coming out. He goes, God, I don't owe you anything. You didn't even help me. I got here by myself. That's why my friend Kent looked at me and he said, you know, Teresa and I, before this surgery, we got before Jesus and we said, Jesus, we're not going to barter with you. We love you whether you give us a liver or not. We love you whether you keep us here or you take us home. We're going to serve and love you. You don't barter with Jesus. Because you know why? We're terrible at holding up our end. He's really good. How many of you, I won't ask for a show, I've tried it in past and, and it just, it's just not, it's trust is what God, Paul had trust, not in the boat. God just said, stay in the boat, stay in the boat, up, up, get out of the boat. Now, if your boat's become your security and it's shaken and you're like, I'm not leaving the boat. The boat's not the kingdom. Now, you have to make application in your own life. What does the boat represent? Relationship, job, finances, health. I don't know. What does your boat represent that God's using? He told you to get on it, and it's a safe place to be until God says, get off the boat. When it crashes is a good sign, and it's sinking. Then you find out, did my roots grow attached to what God was using in my life to help provide for me? Am I trusting in that or in the kingdom that's unshakable that will not be pounded with the seas and broken into pieces? It'll stand like a rock when the waves crash and splash up and they go back down the rock at move. That is the kingdom of God. That's what you have to build your life on. If, if the only way to know is tests and trials is, Lord, am I really depending on you? Well, storms will tell you. Literal storms, personal storms, heartache, broken heart, hard times. 
health crises. The myth is that the more faith you have, the less storms you'll go through. Now, there are storms you can avoid. Like Jonah, if he'd have just done what God told him to do, he wouldn't have gotten a storm and swallowed by a whale. You can avoid some storms by not being stupid. You do stupid things, you're going to pay for it. You can't say, oh, God, you got to protect me. Well, you should have been so stupid. Sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it. There's no guarantee. So you say, what difference does faith make? Well, we're going to talk a lot about that in the book of Job. There are things, obviously, we pray for healing. We believe. And so does Kent and Teresa. But we're not bargaining with God that we're going to love you if you give us what we want. See, faith says, I've got to depend on Jesus. And the only way I know that sometimes is God shakes something I'm leaning on. And I'm like, whoa, don't, that ain't, whoa. Do you know churches die? This church could die. I'll die at some point. Churches, we, we buried a church last year in Fort Myers, Fort Myers Vineyard. Now, the pastors lived, thankfully. Church died. We buried it. But the kingdom didn't die. The kingdom's still strong. There's churches, there's denominations, there's nations that die. There's powers and government. There, there's no guarantee that America's an unsinkable ship. A virus crippled us for two years. Nearly took us under. That was just a virus. We're vulnerable people. We're shakable. We're human. We're weak. We're not infallible. Well, we got the greatest this, the great. We had airplanes invade us and crippled us. Airplanes with terrorists, a handful of people that didn't even have guns. We're, we're, you can't live in that your security is in our country. I love our country. I pray for our country. I want our country to do right and do well. But there's choices being made in our country that are not choices that God's going to say, hmm, man, let me just bless America some more. Just saying. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I don't see us on a path of just saying, God, we've been awful good. Why don't you bless us some more? No, that's, that, I, I don't see that path. Now, God in his mercy can do whatever God does. I got children growing up, grandchildren growing up. I want them to be able to, but I, I don't want them to build their whole life on the fact that they're going to have Social Security someday. They may not. We may not. There's no guarantees. There's no certainties in what can be shaken will be shaken, ultimately. Everything will be shaken. And whatever is not built on the things of God isn't going to make it. Your life being one of those things. And I've had the honor and privilege, my wife and I have for years, to stand with people in the middle of being shaken and watch them, their faith rise like Paul and, and confidence in God, tears in their eyes, pain in their heart, on their face in desperation, but filled with hope and a rock. Nothing else can give you that. That's not some pie in the sky, Jesus someday in heaven thing. That's Jesus here, Jesus now, walking with me in the middle of the fire, in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the ICU. Jesus is here. He hasn't left us. I may not feel him. I don't see him. But he's forever committed to be faithful. Because his kingdom is unshakable. His promise is unstoppable. 
His throne is on whatever. Couldn't think of another word to go in there. The Lord showed me a little vision. I don't see things like literally, but an impression. I was praying for this, this family. I was going to say, so Lord, could you give me a word? And he gave me one thing, and it's a different thing. But I, I, t- I told them, I said, you know those stickers you see on the back of the cars? You know, my son, daughter, won the honor roll. Did any of our kids ever have that on their car? I don't think not. I don't think so. <laughs> Maybe one of the grandchildren will get it. Yeah, there you go. Come on. Yeah, we do. Come on. Somebody's got it. They're going to need you. I saw the back of the Lord's throne. Not that I, I just knew it was the back of his throne. And it had a, it was like that bumper sticker, but it said, my son Kent made the faith honor roll. And I told Kent that. And I said, Kent, God wants you to know he's proud of you as his son, that you're trusting him. He, there's nothing he loves like his breath is his wife. He loves his wife. He loves his wife. He serves his wife. He, she's got and has had nothing to give him. Nothing for months and months. He's bathed her and picked her up off the floor when she's collapsed and passed out. He's had to throw clothes out and become what he never thought he'd have to be. That's part of that ceremony, you know, when you say, I love you for better. This is the worst. She hates it. She'd say to him, I'll tell you what she's like. She's in this ICU on a ventilator, and this nurse practitioner comes in trying to find a vein to take some blood. All of a sudden, she screams. He jumps up. What? What are you? He looks down. The guy's ripped an inch wide thing of skin off her arm trying to find a vein. He said, dude, he, he said, get, get away from her. And, you know, so now they have to bandage her up. So he said, Jamie, he said, I. I feel so bad, but I wanted to kick his, you know what. And I said, well, why didn't you? If I'd have been there, I'd have helped you. It would have been therapy. He said, you know, i got a long ways to go. I said, no, I don't think so. I think Jesus might have thrown him out of the room. Let me tell you what she did. I don't know the timetable. That day, next, whatever. He could have been fired. That's incompetence to the worst degree. She calls him. She said, tell, his name was Kelly. Tell Kelly to come in. She looked up at him, and she said, Kelly, I forgive you. Now, here she has got everything going in the world wrong in her body, pretty much. And the guy rips her skin open, and she forgives him. That's called a Christian. I'm not sure I'm one sometimes. Sadly, I look at that, and I go, I don't think I could have done that. Kent said, I know I couldn't have done it. But that's the unshakable kingdom inside of her. That's that love of Jesus that you can not shake. That is what you got to build your life on. That doesn't make her superhuman. It's just Jesus inside of her loving someone that made a mistake. And that's the kingdom. So Paul made it to shore. I got to show you this, just or I'd cheat you. Just in, just real quick in closing. And, and the last chapter of Acts. So they, they, they stay on this island that God blew them on. 
He survives. It's supernatural. I mean, can you imagine 276 bunch of them prisoners that come to shore? This island's like, oh my gosh, we're being invaded. They're dripped. They're they're emaciated. They haven't eaten. They're soaking wet. They said, let's get a fire going. So Paul goes and grabs a bundle of sticks, and it's got a viper in it. He gets snake bit. Now, come on. Storms and shipwreck, and now a snake bite. The people go, ooh, this is their theology, and this is what we'll wrestle with through Job. He must be a murderer. That's what they said, which actually he was, but that's not why he was snake bit. He was snake bit because there's a real enemy that doesn't want you to get where God wants you to go. He'll, he'll try to destroy you in the boat. He'll try to destroy you from what, who knows what Ambre, Ab, Ab, Ambria, who knows what she was going to be. Preacher, nurse, liver transplant doctor, world leader. I don't know. The enemy hated her. Hated her. Now, God allowed it. We're going to wrestle with that in the book of Job. But God didn't want it. And if you think that, you don't know the heart of the Father. Now, he can make good come out of the horrible, but that doesn't make the horrible good. Paul, snake bit, they think he's a murderer. What does he do? Freak out, panic. You know more people, I can't prove this and don't Google it, but I've always heard this as urban legend. Maybe it's true or not. Don't, don't give me the facts. It'll ruin the story. I've always heard more people die from a heart attack from snake bite than from the venom. I know more people die of a heart attack when they're caught out in a riptide than they do drown. Fear. So this snake's on him. What does he do? In the name of Jesus, he shakes it off. They all watch him. Is he going to swallow up? Nothing. He's just by the fire humming, roasting a marshmallow. He's just chilling. Now they're like, he's not a murderer. He's a God. And they kind of, we said, no, no, I'm just a believer and I'm adding this. I'm just a believer in a God whose kingdom cannot be shaken. So they bring him into the head guy's house, and the guy's dad's sick. He lays hands on him, heals him. The whole island, everybody's sick in the island, go outside. He heals all of them. They have revival on this island. Why did God send them there? There's a They had three months on that island, him preaching the gospel, healing the sick, raising the dead. I mean, the kingdom of God survived the storm. Now, Three months later, he gets on another boat, which is a whole other story in itself. And he gets, finally gets to, to, to his destination. I just want to read this verse, how Luke, who has been with him through this whole journey, how he writes. Remember, he's been passionate to get to Rome, to stand before Caesar. i just read you this, and we'll, we'll close. And in, in the last chapter of Acts, it says in chapter 28, verse 14, there we found some brothers who invited us to spend a week with them. And so we came to Rome. Think you talk about understated. And so we came to Rome. Shipwreck, storms, stuck out at sea, foodless, hungry, starving, dark nights, days, days, days driven with the wind. Snake bit. And so we came to.
through Rome. All of that to accomplish the purpose that God has. I'm going to say this, and it, it, some of you will probably struggle with this statement. I can't prove it, but it's just my conviction. That you're invincible. Now, I'm, I'm talking, put this in context of following Jesus, walking with him, being on the boat that he wants you to be on, or get off the boat he doesn't want you on. I believe a believer is invincible until you accomplish the mission God has for you. I think Ombre accomplished her mission. Now, that doesn't mean God took her, but God allowed her. I think she filled her mission. Keith Green, one of the greatest Christian musicians ever to write worship music, died at 29. I know a lot of other rock stars did too, but they weren't changing the world. He was changing the world. Took him out. He had five kids he left behind at 29, a wife with five kids. So I'm just saying, you're going to get to Rome if God wants you to get to Rome. So don't fear, like Phil always says, and get me, correct me, Dan, if I say this wrong. He says, if you know you're going to be hung, don't worry about being shot. That's a main redneck way of saying, don't worry about it. God's got it. I know that's horrible. I don't know. It's, it's, I didn't say that in the first service, so you guys are special. Uh, we won't define special. But so we're going we're gonna to have a baptism here. And, and if, if, if baptism says anything, it says I'm giving up on everything that can be shaken. And I'm going to trust in the one that can never be shaken. I'm giving up on me being the Lord of my own life. And I'm turning over my life. I'm not making a barter with God and giving him 10% or 20% or 80%. I'm giving him all of me because I'm going to follow him in his unshakable kingdom. I'm going to follow him. Now, I'll be shaken. I'll be knocked down. But I'm going to get back up because he raises the dead. And Ken and Teresa aren't going to lose. Either Teresa's going to get out of that room through much pain and suffering and become a testimony like unbelievable and we're praying for that for her and for Ombre's family. They want her to live in, in selfish ways, in a good way. I don't mean that bad. They want their daughter's liver to, to and it's working. It's, it's, the liver's working. It's the other things that we need to pray that her white cells go down and, and infection gets out of her body and her lungs will work and not fill up with fluids. And um, There's a lot of things you can pray for. We'll keep putting out prayer needs, I, I, I hope you join, because this is a testimony. God raises the dead, and I'm, pre- I'm believing God's going to raise her up, and, and she'll be ombre strong, uh, and she'll be in a kingdom that cannot be shaken. They're shaken. Of course they are. Their family's rocked. That's a difference between losing your faith and having grief. You can have grief. You can be shaken to your core. You can be broken. But you don't leave your faith. You, you trust the God even when you don't understand. He's proven his love, his unshakable love. We build our lives on that rock. But it doesn't do you any good to know it, hear it, but not obey it. You're going to do what God says. That's why Paul had confidence. He wasn't some superhero. He thought, we're all going to die. Hope you guys are ready. And God says, no, you're not. Stay in the boat. 
Everybody's going to live, but the boat's going to crash. Now, that's all I can guarantee you. I can't guarantee you that America won't crash. I can't guarantee you that this church won't crash. But I can guarantee you the kingdom of God will never crash. And that's our hope. That's our security. See, Jamie, give me something that's, that's secure. I got nothing else to give you. I can't give you some fake promise that you can buy the right kind of health care and that they're always going to be able to find a solution for whatever ails you. Or God's always going to hear a healing prayer. I can't, I can't guarantee you're going to have financial success and everything's going to go well in your life. I can't, I can't promise you any of that. You can't find a home secure enough to keep the things out that come, like COVID. COVID came into homes that were very secure, armed guards. COVID got in there. The enemy has a way to get past our false securities. And, and when God shakes them, it's because he loves us. He says, stop leaning on that. Stop leaning on him. Stop leaning on her. Stop leaning on your credit card. Stop leaning on your judge. Stop. Because it, it's not going to sustain you. Because it's going to get shaken. And when it does, you're going to find out where's your hope? Where's your faith? What is it in? When this people's home went through the storm, as they're going through Kent and Teresa Love Day, the waves are crashing. The flood has come. The wind is howling. That home's standing because it's built on the rock. What's yours built on? Let's pray. Just take a moment and, and just, God, just answer that question to yourself honestly. What am I building my life on? My ideas, my opinions, my strength. Or are you building your life on what is going to last forever? Everything else in the natural, physical world, human world, is going to be shaken. Everything else is going to be destroyed. There is no permanency to the things of this world. It's the things of God and his kingdom, who he is, what he's promised, his love. That is what lasts forever. Let's take a moment right now and just ask yourself, have I committed my heart to Jesus? Or maybe you did, but you're, as the scripture in Hebrews warned, you're refusing to listen to him. Same, it's, no, it, it, it's not an inoculation. You prayed some prayer years ago, and you've got to live with Jesus every day to be able to stand in that confidence of saying, I shall not be shaken, I shall not be moved. Why? Because I built my life on his kingdom, the rock. Not because I'm strong, but because he's strong. So if you've not said yes to Jesus online, if you're listening or here, just whisper a prayer right now. All God's looking for you to do is surrender to him and say, Jesus, I need you in my life, and I ask you to come and be my Lord and Savior. Just ask him. He's not going to force himself onto you. But he may have allowed you to go on through some shaking that shows you how much you need him. And that's a good thing. It may not have been a good thing, the shaking, but if out of it you come to Jesus, then it was a good thing. Or God turned it into a good thing, let me say it that way. Father, would you bless those that need to take that stand and, Lord, just come and visit us as we baptize these today, that new beginnings, washed by the power of your blood, Jesus, forgiven cleansed, 
joining you in your burial and in your resurrection. Lord, uh, just we look forward to what you're going to do in these next few moments. In Jesus' name.